invite you now to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 1, to hear again the story of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to listen carefully and listen well, for this too is the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There they will see me. This is the ultimate hope, the ultimate hope of every human life. To see God, to see the risen Christ. And it is also the actual experience of these women in our text this morning. And their Easter experience is offered to us, to you as a means by which we too might see the Lord on this, our Easter day, as He meets us in the Spirit. So let's go with Him and let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we too have risen early and gathered seeking You. We too have come and we've heard the announcement that You have risen that you have risen indeed. Come now in the power of your Spirit and meet us, even as you met these first disciples. And speak your words of greeting to us, that we might greet you in this new world, which you begin now. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So the text tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary... Rise early towards the dawn to go and to see the tomb. This was their purpose, to go to the tomb. I think that in order to experience the fullness of Easter, we must do the same. Going to the tomb really isn't all that difficult for most of us, for we have become accustomed, living in our fallen world, as we do, to loss. Loss of a job, loss of a spouse, the loss of our health, the loss of a retirement dream, 
we know all too well what that early morning darkness feels like. And so does everyone else. Last week, many across the southeast lost their homes to a twisting and tumultuous storm. Last week, someone said their final goodbye to a friend. Last week, so many more died on the battlefields of Ukraine and in the basement of a school. To step outside for just a minute of our hurried routines and our deadening distractions is to quickly be confronted by that heavy stone which speaks the only last and final word which this world knows. It's not hard for us to feel the crushing weight of it. Even my two-year-old, Spencer, in her great innocence, has some awareness of that primordial fear. Over and over, for the last couple weeks, three weeks now, she's been waking at 3.30 in the morning, jarred by some nightmare, crying out into the darkness for someone to come and to be with her in it and to save her from her fear. Lie right here, Daddy, she says, comforted just enough by that presence to drift back into sleep. At least for a moment, let's be honest this morning, on Easter morning of all mornings, we know exactly what it is like to stand with Mary and Mary as they look towards the grave. But you know, something happens when we are reminded. Something happens when we are reminded as we are on Easter that sin and death no longer have the last word. Something happens when we hear of the incarnate God who joins us in our frail flesh, who joins us in the midst of our hurts, who joins us even in our corruptibility which leads to death, who joins us even in our great demise. Something happens when we cry out into the dark night for God to come and to save us. And lo and behold, He actually does come to be with us in it. Lie right here, we say, pointing towards our own particular distress. Comfort me that I can get even just a moment's rest. Maybe, maybe that is an invitation that you can make to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Come, throw back the stone which covers my heart. Lay right here with me at the center of my life. Let me know the comfort of your presence. Because the shocking thing is that Jesus actually does it. He enters completely and fully into death and into the grave so that we will know that there is nowhere that our God will not show us his rescuing love, that there is nothing that he will not do to draw us back into communion with himself. When we cry out and God answers by joining in, we move a little closer towards the dawn of a day whose brightness is unending. When we hear and believe, when we come to know that we really can trust we really can trust Jesus Christ. It's like we feel the earth move beneath our feet. It's what happened to the two Marys, isn't it? Uh, they went to see the tomb. When? Towards the dawn of the new day. And what happened? The earth shook. Because an angel of the Lord was descending from heaven, flashing down like lightning, touching down at the most personal and specific point of their grief and their distress. And with as close to zero effort as you could imagine, this angelic messenger 
flick to the side what to these women had been an immovably final stone, an unchangeable and determinative last word, death, loss, despair. But now not anymore. To demonstrate how complete this overthrowing of death had been for God, the angel sits on top of the stone. And the picture we see, receive is one that is almost childlike in quality. It's playful. There's a kid perched on top of some high ledge, swinging his feet without a care in the world. That's how much authority and fear we can now have in the face of death. And then in this ironic twist, it sort of continues over time. The living soldiers, tasked with guarding the dead body inside the tomb, tough assignment, right? Became themselves like dead men when the angel uncovered the reality that Christ had risen. And the angel spoke words of peace to the women saying, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. That's what the angel spoke to the women. If, no, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. This is the word of Easter. This is the great word of Easter. It's what we've all come to hear right here. That Jesus is risen. That Jesus is dead no longer. The darkness has been extinguished by the light. Death has fallen prey to life. Death took a body and discovered the God it could not hold. And so the Lord Jesus has risen and brought with him a host of captives. All those who have succumbed to death from ages long past, the heavy stone, the devouring tomb, no longer has the final word. Now our destiny, your destiny, is determined by the triumphant Lord of life. That's the word spoken by the powerful and the playful angel. It's the word confirmed by the contents of the empty tomb. Come see the place where he lay. Easter is like calling out to God in the night, recognizing that, that yes, He's come and joined you in your fear in a way that brings you peace, but then awakening to find Him missing, the tomb empty, and realizing that He is on the move ahead of you and that He is calling you to come and to join Him in that day ahead, a day which is even yet unfolding. That's what happen, is happening to you this morning. Christ is risen. He's ahead of you. He's calling you to come and join Him in the day that is yet unfolding. And so, the earth-shaking news of resurrection comes with instructions, which is actually kind of nice, because, I mean, who really knew how to live in a world that, where, where eternity is not even the end? It just continues, right? Who knew how to live in that world? The women are given some instructions. Go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and so they run. They run to tell. They run to share. They run as fast as their feet will take Him. Jesus is risen. He will meet you in Galilee. But no sooner had their feet taken to this new road than they were stopped, maybe not dead in their tracks, but living in their tracks. There He is. After hearing the word from the angel, after responding with belief and faith, after going with obedient action, came encounter. It is the risen Jesus who comes to them 
and greets them. Isn't it interesting that uh, we're given such a dynamic description of the angel? Appearance like lightning, clothing as white as snow. But of the risen Christ, we hear only of his voice and about his feet. The two women came up, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Indeed, these were feet that had walked through death and out the other side. These were feet that had walked on water, but had also tread upon the head of the serpent, whose venom had so long ago preyed upon human freedom and brought the good world crashing down. These were feet that had been nailed to a cross, and yet had also been wrapped in swaddling clothes and then in grave clothes. These were feet that had been anointed with aromatic perfumes, but it also knelt to wash his own disciples' feet. Mary and Mary laid hold of them and worshipped him, showing that they were eager to follow wherever his steps might now lead. And so they in turn become our example. Eve had been the first to be led astray, but now these women have become the first to see and to worship the risen and conquering Christ. They, in fact, become the apostles to the apostles. Much has been made of them. Isn't it interesting that they both share the name of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is the emblem of the church without equal? Mary carried Jesus within her, literally, and then shared him with the world. And that's the church's task as well. And now there are two Marys representing the church as it's now made up of both Jew and Gentile come together and united in Christ and sent into the world in love. Go to Galilee, they say. There you will see him. In other words, go back to the familiar places. Go back to your ordinary lives. Go back to the world which only knows the finality of death and so engages in a million different destructive ways trying to escape it. Go back to your friends. Go back to your family. Go back to your co-workers. Go back to Newland. Go back to Galilee and live. Live with the kind of peace and hope that only comes from hearing these words, He is risen. Live with the kind of purpose and power, and angelic playfulness that comes from sharing the message of the church down through the ages until kingdom come. Live together. Isn't it great to be together? Live together, clinging to the Savior as His pierced feet lead us with unshakable joy towards the dawn. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen.